I still like to think of myself as an athlete. I know, peanut gallery can keep it quiet in the back. You know, in fact, some of my, my favorite moments and memories are from my time playing sports, especially on the basketball court. It was my favorite, favorite sport. And I, I was raised in the small town of Arthur, Illinois, uh, just about 45 minutes south of here, not far. And I went to a small Christian school. But we had a, a, a great basketball team. And it was actually led by, by, in my opinion, one of the greatest leaders and coaches of all time, our very own Jim Plank. So Jim Plank, if, if you, many of you know, he is actually our, 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 our pastor of our Sullivan campus. He's the campus pastor there, and he's part of our executive team. But he was my basketball coach first before that, right? And so that, that's how I knew him. And we had, we had a great relationship, not great pictures, but we, had, we did do that. See, now, it was a small school, okay? But so in a small school, I was one of the bigger players. So I spent most of my time in, in the paint, which means I was power forward, center, I was, I was down low. And admittedly, I will say I didn't have, like, the biggest vertical jump, right? I just say the earth loved me a little bit more, just kept me close. <laughs> but here's what I did have. I usually had the biggest backside. I'll say that. So it didn't matter if you could outjump me. My philosophy was it wasn't going to matter. You weren't getting anywhere near to the basket anyway. Never doubt the power of a good box out. You know, so if you're young athletes and you're, and you're getting up, never doubt the power of a good box out. If you can't jump, it doesn't matter. <laughs> now, I was, I, was, I was a decent player. I actually got to go play at, some, some, at a small college called Crown College in Minnesota. I got to do that there. But it has been a few years since I donned a jersey uh, for anybody. But I still, like in my head, I think I can do all the same things, you know, as an athlete that I did back in high school and in college, Right. And I think, really, that's a testimony of real faith. That's faith. The, is a faith the evidence of things not seen, right, in a very, very long time? And it's, it's hard, though, when our reality, it doesn't match, like, the way that we see ourselves. You know, in fact, I recently made the mistake of stepping on the scale, and reality punched me in the face. <laughs> Just violently. It was terrible. It was clear, I, I gotta change some habits, right? I need to change some of my eating habits, my sleeping habits. I need to get uh, you know, better about what I eat or don't, all those, I gotta do all the things, my exercise. You know, in my mind though, my inner athlete, it can make a plan for what that needs to happen for the sleep schedule, the exercise plan, a routine, you know, for, for what my uh, eating, what I should eat or not eat. I can even talk to other people about what's worked for me and encourage them, this is how you can make your health better. You can do all those things too. But here's the catch, right? We, we all know that me talking about it, planning it, thinking about it, telling other people about it, it doesn't change a single thing, does it? See, I actually need to go do something. I need to go to the gym and exercise, right? I need to actually change what I'm eating. I actually need to be disciplined to go to bed earlier and to get some sleep if I wanna change those things. I can believe it'll work all day in my head, but unless I pair what I know with what I do, I'm not gonna see any results, right? See, if my belief don't, beliefs don't affect my behavior, I'll never see that fruit of, of better health. Can anyone else relate to, to problems like this in your life? Yeah, I, I, I hear you, yeah. Are there other areas of your life, maybe where you wanna see change, but maybe your actions have either been non-existent or just a little half-hearted? What, what plans do you have right now that aren't backed up with any action? See, I can, I can say all day that I want to be a, a good husband, but if I'm not investing in my marriage and, and, and time and energy, then my actions aren't pairing up with what I say I want to be. I can say that, you know, 
I'm a great employee. I want to be a great employee. In fact, I'm going to go tell my boss right now, he needs to give me a raise. He needs to pay me some more money. But if all I'm actually doing is doing the bare minimum and I'm kind of slacking off in all my work, those two things don't pair together. I can think that, you know, maybe I'm a, I'm a great student. I'm a really good student. But I'm not really studying, not really showing up at class, but I'm a good student. Well, there's a, there's a disparity there that's happening when we think those ways. I can, I can think all of those things, but if our beliefs don't match the behavior, what happens is we live inconsistently or half-heartedly. And right now we're in this new series that we've actually entitled Wholehearted, right? And we're exploring the book of James and how he wants us and implores us to live in a wholehearted way. And today I'm excited. I'm going to talk about this idea of wholehearted faith. You see, our faith journey it can also be plagued with those same inconsistencies and half-heartedness that those other things we try to do in our life can be plagued with. But there's good news. See, God has a, is on a mission to make us whole. He wants us to have a fruitful faith. Let's pray right now before we dive in. Holy Spirit, we're, we're so thankful that you're here right now, that you are here to be our teacher, our guide, that you wanna show us how we get to live out this wonderful idea of wholehearted faith, how you are partnering with us and empowering us. Thank you for your presence here already. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, well first of all, what is, what is faith? I think it's important that we stop and we, and we talk a little bit about what, and define what faith actually is because it can be one of those, those kind of Christian-y words that we, that we use that we all think differently maybe a little bit about or maybe where it's a little bit abstract and we're not quite sure how when we really dig into it, what is it, what is it actually? And so I, I wanna define that this. Faith, as we talk about today, is simply trust in Jesus. It's believing that you're fully loved, accepted, and transformed by Jesus' work on the cross. So faith is this belief and trust, okay? And, and, and we can look in the Bible and, talk, and look and see what, what it says a little bit about faith here. And this is uh, from the book of Ephesians. This is chapter two, verses eight and nine. And this is the apostle Paul who wrote this, uh, who wrote this uh, section here. It says this. It says, for by grace, you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So what Paul's saying here is that, that we're saved by grace and by faith. We don't earn that. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about this because uh, it's important as we look at the book of James especially. See, faith is this trust and belief in Jesus. This was a love gift from God through Jesus. In fact, in, in Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus is what we call the author and finisher of our faith, or the, the initiator, the starter, and he's the one who finishes our faith or sustains it. And so this is really good news for us. So we can't separate this from Jesus. This incredible, it's free, but, but it's important to understand that faith is started by Jesus, it's sustained by Jesus. So make no mistake, Jesus is at the center of all of this. Our belief in Jesus actually should change everything about our lives. Because with Jesus, when we say yes to him, we're given a brand new heart. <clears throat> we're living, we're learning to live in the reality of this new truth. See, this, this should actually, this belief in Jesus, it should change our behavior too. See, we want our faith to produce good fruit in our lives. So we want stories of everyday encounters of how we can live is what we say is naturally supernatural disciples because we do this with Jesus. There's a supernatural aspect. 
We want to be naturally supernatural disciples who are extending the miraculous into the world around us. We want to be a people who are bringing faith into every area of our lives. But here's the hard part. Sometimes faith can feel like, it can feel like man, my, my faith feels a little fruitless. We believe, but our behavior doesn't really reflect that, that same belief. And for some of us, we've actually disconnected our faith from our everyday life, right? We've, we've compartmentalized this and said, oh, my faith is for Sunday. And then Monday through Saturday, we live in a completely different way, kind of do whatever we want. And we come back and we check off the box on Sunday and we're done. Or maybe we see faith, it's, it's, it's a private matter. It's just, it's just for me, it's a private thing that only happens with me. The problem is that in all these scenarios, our beliefs aren't matching our behaviors. And this is how we actually end up with a fractured faith. See, when we separate our faith from what we say and we do, we actually lose the power of faith to change the world around us. When our faith isn't paired to our actions, we aren't living in wholeness. So how are you today? Are you frustrated by the state of your faith? Are you hungry for more fruit that comes from your faith? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged because James is gonna have some really strong thoughts and opinion on this. And when I say strong thoughts, I'm not joking. Historically, actually, there's some contention here. I wanna address, I wanna address this actually. There's some contention with uh, the book of James specifically and how it relates to the rest of the Bible. So on one side, you've got the Apostle Paul. And if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he's, he was a prolific writer. He actually wrote many of the books that make up our New Testament today outside of the Gospels. So he was, he was everywhere. If you, if you're, there's so much of theology and connection to what Paul wrote. He was a prolific writer. So major impact on the Christian world. And then on the other side, you've got James, who's authored the book that we're going to dive more into today. And James, James was the, the brother of Jesus. James was also the leader, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of the Jerusalem church. And this is important because the Jerusalem church was one of the most influential churches of that time uh, in the biblical era. And so these are, you know, two kind of powerhouses that are there. And so we can look at James, as we read James, we see this strong emphasis on good deeds and works as part of our faith. And as we see from this Ephesians passage, which I, that Ephesians passage I just read earlier, again, was written by the apostle Paul. When you read Paul, you see this strong emphasis on grace and faith alone. So in James, you see a lot of good deeds and works, and in Paul, you see this good uh, grace and faith along, alone. So who's right? Is James contradicting Paul? Is he saying that we need a work for our salvation instead of by grace and faith that Paul talks about? Well, well the really short answer is, is no. James isn't contradicting him. And here's why. See, some people, we believe that, well, did James and Paul even know each other? Like, did they even know what they were teaching? Or were they just teaching two separate things? The reality is James and Paul actually knew each other well. They're actually mentioned together in the Bible multiple times. They would have known one another's teaching well. See, James isn't trying to, to make us work for our salvation. James is all about taking those next steps. What should be the fruit of that salvation in our, in our life? What is the fruit of our faith? So his emphasis is taking us further on this journey of what it actually means to know Jesus and be transformed by him. So we like to say, so, so here in this church, we like to say this way with our, our mission statement kind of embodies this. It says, we encounter love, we experience transformation, and then we extend the miraculous. That's who we wanna be. That's the DNA of who we wanna be. And, and James is the same. He wants us to know what the result of faith should be in our life. So the result of encountering love of experiencing this transformation is that we get to extend 
the miraculous works of Jesus to everybody around us. So we're learning to live as new creations who have this brand new identity, right? God says he gives us a brand new identity. We're new creations. And God wants more for us than just a ticket to heaven. This isn't just something he's like, say yes to Jesus and then later on down the road after you die, you'll get your rewards and it'll be good. See, God, he wants us to live a transformed life right now. That's why we're called to extend the miraculous as we let our faith bear fruit in our actions. See, faith isn't the stopping point. Faith is the catalyst that results in good fruit in our lives. So this is the framework that we wanna read the book of James with, this understanding of what he's trying to emphasize and why he's trying to emphasize this in our life. And we're gonna read now from James 2, and, and this is James 2, verses 14 through 17. This is what it says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. I told you James was gonna be strong. Have some strong language around this, right? So in verse 14, what is he saying? He says, well, what good is faith without action? Well, what good is all of our talk and our profession of faith if their life doesn't look any different after we meet Jesus? See, just speaking out those, those terms, right? Just those best wishes that they say here. Stay warm, eat well. Yes, I know, my brain reads it in an English accent, probably because it's the book of James. I don't know, home James, I don't know. I can't stop, so now you get to read it in, in an English accent as well. Stay warm, eat well. You know, I just feel like it's kind of that, yeah, it just fits. Sorry, I, tried, I actually tried to make my brain stop doing it. I couldn't do it. It actually got worse. <laughs> what good is it, though? What good is it if I, if I say that and then I don't actually give them the very thing that I can see is obviously what they need? It produces no good fruit. It's just like saying the words exercise, eat well. <laughs> exercise, eat well. Nothing. If it worked, believe me, I'd be sitting in front of the mirror right now. I wouldn't be preaching to you. I'd just be like, just tell me what's going to do. It's gonna... It doesn't work if I just say it out, right? There actually has to be action that comes behind it. It makes no change to my waistline to just say the words. See, James here, he's not trying to tickle our ears with a feel-good message. His original audience was actually to, to Jewish Christians. And so and in speaking to those Christians, he was speaking to those Christians who weren't living out their faith in action. So this letter is a challenge to that type of Christian living. And today, these verses are still a challenge to us that we get to live the faith that we profess to carry in our hearts. Our faith should change us, and it should lead to fruit that changes the world. See, unless our faith produces good deeds, it says, good fruit, James says it is dead and useless faith. I didn't say it. That's James, the brother of Jesus, leader of the Jerusalem church, that guy. Wrote a book of the Bible. That's what he's saying. And he doesn't stop. He just keeps pressing in. We're gonna keep going here in verses 18 through 20, still in James 2. It says, now someone may argue. Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. See, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. He's kind of sarcastic a little bit. Like, good for you. It gets worse. Like, keep reading, right? Even the demons believe that. They tremble in terror. How foolish. 
Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, he's pretty harsh here, but I promise there's, there's hope in what he's saying. He's not just reading the, like, like writing this to beat us up. But he's asking a good question. Can I just have faith? Can I just choose? I just want to have the faith thing. I like that. That works good for me. I like to study that, understand that, have that. And I'll give, let somebody else, they can do the good deeds thing over here. Let's, let's do that. Can we separate those two things? See, what he's saying is that faith that's separated from action isn't true faith, right? He said even the demons believe that. That's something totally different. And they, they are living terror of God's power. If I separate, graphic illustration, I separate my heart from my body, right? What do I have? I still have a heart. I still have a body. They still exist. But separate, what are they? Pretty dead and useless, right? I'm gonna be up here preaching a sermon to you. See, it's only when we put them together that they're actually able to function in the way they're intended and actually together in wholeness, they're able to bring life as they're intended, right? So when we encounter God's love and say yes to Jesus, he transforms our heart, he gives us this brand new identity and our salvation is really the gift of being made whole. Salvation is really the gift of being made whole from what was broken by sin when it entered the world and it affected our lives. Jesus came to fix that. He came to bring us back into that place of wholeness so we could be, again, in relationship directly with the Father. But what happens when we don't let our faith affect our deeds? If we try to make this the, the, the mistake of trying to separate our changed heart from our changed actions, we'll end up with religion instead of relationship. We'll live half-heartedly. And I want to be clear, this, this can look like it work in both directions, right? James talks a lot about faith that has to affect our deeds. But some of us, we've, we've done that. We've separated it and we're really good at the deeds part. Like we do the really good works. Like we're really good at the action. Like we're, we're filling our lives with those things. Our faith may not really be informing it, but we've got some things that are happening over here. We're doing a lot of, of, of activity. But there's a problem with that. And what, you know what that problem is? It's who we're called to be, who Jesus made us. We're kingdom people. What does that mean by that? What is, what is kingdom? Well, what is the, the kingdom is this. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the rule and the reign of God here on earth, where wholeness, his justice, his health, his goodness, all of the things of God are fully realized and released here. That's the kingdom of God. And God is in the business of seeing his kingdom advance. He's seeing it restored all across the world. So when Jesus came, one of the things we talk about, Jesus, he, he died on the cross, he saved us from our sins. That was what he did. But what Jesus actually did and what he talked about all throughout his ministry is the kingdom. He ushered in this brand new era of the kingdom of God. And it was in God's continuing plan to see his kingdom restored all across the earth. And the way he chooses to, to move that forward, what does he say? He wants to partner in relationship with us to see that kingdom advanced all across the world. It wasn't my choice, it's not our choice. This was, this was what, how God chose to move his kingdom forward. He said, I wanna partner with you, my creation. I'm gonna give you a brand new identity, a brand new heart that is full of the kingdom and I'm gonna let you be thy partners to advance that kingdom all across the earth, to all the people around you, to restore who I, what I intended in creation everywhere. That's what he said. But to do that, we have to have wholehearted faith. We need our trust and belief in Jesus to be active in our life. See, it's faith that actually injects kingdom into our actions. Faith is the fuel of kingdom actions. 
Any of us can participate in, in a random act of kindness. And if that's purely the goal, then, then kindness is the end goal of that. And that's okay. Kindness is a good thing, right? But who are we? See, we have a different goal. Our goal is the kingdom. We act with kindness that's backed by faith so that we can extend the miraculous. We are injecting something more than just a good deed. Our faith injects the kingdom into that good deed. So when we bring faith to our actions, we're actually letting people experience the presence of God in the midst of that kindness. We bring more than just our action. Coming back to the scripture here, the end of verse 18, it makes a really important declaration. It says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, is James just bragging here? Is he, is he talking to God? Say, God, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. No, he's not talking to God. He's talking to the people he's writing to. He's talking to the world around us. He's talking to us. Why? Why is it so important for us to show our faith with our good deeds? Why is it so important that our faith bear fruit for other people to see? This is why this is really important. Only God can see the faith in our heart. Only God sees the changes that he's made, and they're very real. See, when God comes into our life, he changes, he gives that brand new identity, he can see that changed heart. People, though, people can only see your fruit. There's more. Our actions are the testimony of a life that is transformed by faith. Our actions are the miraculous fruit extended to the world around us and to people as the old saying goes, our actions speak far louder than our words. It's really important. I'm gonna tell you a quick story uh, to, to maybe help illustrate this a little bit. So this summer I took uh, two, of my two of my four children uh, canoeing and it was uh, on a small lake right near where uh, we were camping and it's a great little picture there. Again, the tiny life jacket just exacerbating the problem of the waistline, I think. <laughs> I don't know, they would give me this tiny, I don't think that was gonna save anybody, honestly. I think they just made it feel good covered their butts, but we had a good time. So you see my, you know, my, my daughter, Maggie, my son, Tate. So Tate had never been on this. And if you know, if you've ever been on a board, boat that needs oars, right, you know the importance of like both sides, even. If you wanna move forward, you gotta be rowing really well on both sides. So this is his first time doing that. So a lot of coaching on, on timing and what side he's gonna row on, all that. So, okay, so we get going, we're heading out like, and you know, you, you kind of get into a rhythm. So you go and your head's kind of down. And all of a sudden I realized we're just turning in a circle all of a sudden. I was like, what, what? I look up and, and you know, poor Tate, I think he just got exhausted. He's, he suddenly pulled his oar out of the water. A couple times, I think he just put it on the other side just because he wanted to be on the other side. And suddenly we're just spinning in a circle. You know, it doesn't work so well when we do that. It was, it was a lot of fun, but it was an exhausting experience to try to compensate you know, on both sides and try to figure that out uh, as we were moving along. And, and a quick side note to this story, if you ever do go canoeing or anything like that, just make sure all your valuables are completely secured. It's just, just a pro tip. I'm just here to help you out. You may or may not make a donation of your wallet to the entire, right to the bottom of the lake, you know, if you don't do that. Yeah, I'm not sharing that for any reason. I just wanted to make sure you had something to take home with you today as a pro tip. No, it's true. I, I completely lost. I was not happy. It was a, it was a bad day. Julie can attest. It was, it was a rough day that not happy that I thought was completely zipped up and it just, it's gone. All my stuff. Just put some fresh cash in there too so we could go to the concession stand. Right on. I'll move along now, you know, my bitterness is coming out. <laughs> well, here's what I want you to get from this story. I want you to think of this wholeheartedness that, as, as that canoe, that's our life, right? And then on one side, you've got the oar that is our faith or our belief, and on the other side, you've got this actions, like what we do, our work. 
And see, we actually need both of our faith and our action working together if we want to see our lives and the kingdom advance and move forward. Because if we don't, we're just spinning circles. Whole lot of activity, lots of, it's the same amount of activity basically in our life, but we're just spinning circles and we're not going anywhere with it. We need both of those working together. That's why we see in the book of James, he's so adamant about us seeing fruit from our faith. This, our faith should have evidence in our deeds so that the kingdom can advance and move forward, faith and action working together. See, this understanding of the importance of wholehearted faith, when we know that, see, then we have to stop and ask ourselves some questions. And here's some questions. I want you to reflect on these questions right now. Where am I experiencing inconsistency? Where are my faith and my actions not lining up right now? Where am I doing things half-heartedly? And I can promise you, I'm, I'm having to ask myself these same questions, even as I was writing this message. Do my coworkers, my friends, my families, my classmates, do they see the testimony of my faith in my actions? Do they, do they see the faith that exists behind my actions? Right? Asking that question, is my faith evident in what I actually do? See, faith is that trust and belief in Jesus. And we're in this journey of learning, as I said, to live out our new identity, this experience, to experience the fruit of wholehearted faith. But we need the Holy Spirit's help, right? And we want our, our beliefs, our faith, to inform our behavior. And I want to go down to another scripture here. This is John 15. This is the Gospel of John, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. And this is, this is actually Jesus speaking here. So, so hear Jesus saying these words. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, I'm gonna take us back to, back to the beginning, right? It's so important that we keep this connected to who Jesus is. Because our faith, it's our belief in him that actually allows us to have kingdom fruit. And I love what he says here. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Fruit is an expectation of Jesus. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Jesus' expectation of our faith is that it should produce something. It should produce good fruit. James says it, right? We can't separate faith from actions. This is why. This is who Jesus, what Jesus says we should be doing. So I want to I stop and ask some simple daily steps that we can take that we can actually live this out. These are just some very simple, practical questions that we can ask to live this out. I think we can actually, these are things you can apply every single day. You can apply these multiple times a day. They're not hard. And the first thing, obviously, is we want to connect to the Holy Spirit. Why do we connect to the Holy Spirit? Because so when Jesus, when he went, when he went back up to heaven, when we read that story about it, he says, I'm leaving so I can send you the Holy Spirit. He sent him as our comforter, our guide, our teacher, the one who empowers us to actually live this out. The Holy Spirit is vital to us living out our, our job as Christians. He's vital to us just living out our life, empowered to have good fruit. So the first thing that we're going to do, the very first step, there's just two steps, ask. 
ask, Holy Spirit, what are you doing today? How can I partner? It's not hard. When we stop, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit. When we listen to Holy Spirit and we partner with him, what we're doing is we're just saying, okay, I'm purposely and intentionally want my faith right now to inform the next steps of my actions before I move forward. So we're just gonna ask. And then our next step is gonna be what? Well, we asked a question, and if we get an answer, I hope that our answer is obey, right? We're gonna obey. We're just gonna do what he tells you to do. It isn't complicated. It may not be easy, but it should be simple. Sometimes what he asks us to do, it can seem hard, but it's simple steps to get there. We ask and obey. And I wanna encourage you, our job is not to be perfect. All he asks of us, Jesus asks of us, is just to be obedient, to say yes, to do the things he asks us to do. We don't have to be perfect. We're gonna get it wrong sometime. I get it wrong all the time. That's okay. Our job is first and foremost always to be obedient, to do the things he asks us to do. Because see, doing the right thing, it's not always gonna look like success to the world. But if you wanna be a successful follower of Jesus, I promise you, you're gonna have obedience. Ask and obey. I'm gonna give you tools to move this forward. As Julie shared at the, be- at the beginning, we have this, this other little tool you can use. And you can pick up these uh, here, or you can actually, if you want a digital copy, you can just scan that, that barcode with your phone, and it'll take you to a link that you can download that. And this is just a little devotional help that's taking us through this wholehearted series. Actually, it's gonna cover all the topics that, that we're covering here. It's a very simple devotion. It's got the scripture right there and some questions to ask about each of the topics. And I encourage you, again, we want you to take a deep dive. We want you to hear for yourself, to read for yourself this, this book of James, the scripture that we're reading. So James is written a lot like, if you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, Proverbs was considered a wisdom literature book. It's a wisdom book. James writes a lot in that style of wisdom literature in what he writes. And so I encourage you, you can pick these physical copies up on your way out the door if you didn't get one on the way in. Uh, or you can, again, you can just download them, just scan that QR code and download them. But we wanna give you tools to make this useful in your life. This is an easy step to do that. So what does this wholehearted faith in action look like? Well, this is what it looks like. It looks like that kingdom of God that we talked about, right? God's rule and reign. It looks like that invading our everyday life. So it looks like how we treat those who are less fortunate than us. It's the way that we do our daily work. Whether that's at home, in school, our job. It's how we honor the relationships that we're in. It's how we raise our families. It's how we run our businesses. What it's doing is it's letting our faith inform any place where you're spending your time, energy, and resources. You ask yourself the question, am I giving my faith an opportunity to inform my actions on a daily basis? I wanna tell you a quick story that I think illustrates this idea well. So a few years ago, uh, I joined some several family members in doing some investing in real estate. We wanted to, to do that. And, I uh, thought it'd be a good time to jump in. And so as part of this, we owned some, some rental properties. And one of the commitments that we wanted to make when we, when we started this business was that we wanted it to have a kingdom focus. So we wanted our faith to inform our decisions from what we invested into to how we, who and what we, how we treated our business partners. And of course, the, the tenants that might result uh, as well as that. And that includes uh, a weekly commitment to pray and fast over decisions and partners, and of course, the tenants who are part of that. 
And sometimes what that's done as we've pressed in is it's led to us making decisions that some would say don't make good business sense. And this was highlighted just this week as I, I received a text message uh, from my brother, AJ, who uh, is, uh, oversees some of our, our properties that we have in Iowa where he lives, so they're close proximity to him. And, you know, he does a great job doing that, and I love that his heart to put people first, to actually put his faith into the things that, he, that he's doing. And he told us this week uh, the story. He sent us the story of a woman who had, had fallen behind on her rents. Uh, she was the mother uh, and had several children, and unfortunately, the father had run into some legal trouble that had actually caused him not to be able to financially support the family anymore. And I want to pause here in, in this story because, see, these are places where we can all, we can all connect, right? Either there's challenges in our life that we're going through, that we're facing today, or people that we know in our life who are facing some very real challenges in their life. Behind on bills, families that are struggling, overwhelmed with the stress and anxiety of everyday life and all the news and all the things that are going on in the world around us. See, we have an opportunity as kingdom people. We have an opportunity to actually be God's answer to the world around us. Because when we operate in wholehearted faith, we get to bring God's solutions to the problems of the world. So let's come back to this story. So AJ had done some inquiry on why were these rents past due, what was happening with that, just trying to, to, to dig a little bit deeper. And when he got, as he did that, he chose then to pause and he asked, right? He did our, a little practical step, ask and obey. He asked, Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do in this situation? And you know what? God gave him an answer. And then his second choice was, okay, well, then I have to obey. And so he sent us what, what the result of, of obeying one, and he actually sent us a, a screenshot of the text message, which you're gonna see here up on the screen, and AJ's words here are in blue, and I'm just gonna read them for us. It says, please just focus on the current rent. We'll be forgiving your past due balance. I'll fix the system so that it shows what you owe, and I'll let you know when it's updated. The woman rather incredulously responded, you're, you're forgiving it? You're gonna make me cry at work and that's not okay. I'm so sorry about falling behind. Things have been really, have been rough and I really wanted to get ahead. I'm finally able to get things back on track so I can assure you I won't let it happen again and this means more to me than you'll ever know. I did make a full rent payment today and I can make another one next week when I get paid on the 14th. Thank you again, I can't say it enough. See, this wasn't a decision that was like, hey, this is great business sense. Right? Losing money is generally not considered a good business sense. It was a decision that only made sense in the kingdom. See, our job wasn't to, to tell this woman how to, to fix her life first, right? How to get all her life back on track, and then we'll talk about if we can, we can do anything. Sometimes it goes that way, but that wasn't the, our job here. See, here, he, AJ said, I'm going to obey. He let his actions be a testimony of the kingdom because that was what obedience for that moment and that situation needed to look like. See, faith in action in this sense looked like mercy for someone who was hurting. Here's the thing. It doesn't always look like the same decision, but it does always look like the same obedience. That's why we have to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. What is he telling us in each of those situations? Some of you are facing some challenges that are just as disruptive in your life as maybe what this woman was facing today. And there's others of you in here right now who actually are holding some of the solutions to help with those very same problems. See, our response actually is the same. 
no matter which side of the coin we're sitting on today. Because tomorrow, that may flip. Today, may, we may hold the solution, and tomorrow, we may need the solution. But what's our job? No matter where we find ourselves, our job is to obey, to exercise wholehearted faith as we ask and obey. How will our faith and trust in Jesus empower the actions of our life? What's God challenging you to make whole in your life today? See, your faith in action is actually exactly what a hurting world needs today. You are God's answer because Jesus lives in you when you say yes to him. And the fruit of your faith in action is the testimony of hope that counteracts the negativity and despair that so many are facing today. See, today God is challenging us to live a life of wholehearted faith that talks the talk and walks the walk. Let's be people who are consistent and wholehearted in everything that we do. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for you today. We're so thankful for your presence, your connection to us, your willingness to say yes, even when we were broken, to make us whole. And I pray that you would empower us to be a people who live wholehearted in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We are going to move into a time of worship. And here's what I encourage you to do. Let's go ahead and stand up. God wants us to be wholehearted in everything that we do, including worship. So as we worship, God, bring to me everything that you have for me in worship. Connect me with your heart. Let's make this a time of wholehearted worship in him. We'll turn it over to the team.